Well, every now and again, you end up getting an appetizer that is better than the meal. I think that may be the case today. Uh, thank you, praise team, for walking us into the throne room of God. Uh, what a joy it is uh, to celebrate new life, amen, this morning. And uh, three new newborns dedicated to the Lord. Uh, last year, uh, as a church, we welcomed 13 new babies into this faith family. And that and other recaps from this past year can be found in a, a end of the year review that I put out this week. And uh, that should have been in your Friday Homewood Happenings email, but it's also hard copies are available out in the foyer. If you'd like just a end of the year review, uh, I can't capture everything that this church does in the course of the year, um, but I tried my best to get uh, some of the things that I thought you would like to be aware of. Uh, part of our vision for this church includes this idea of generations. You notice that as you come in the door, one of the pillars of our Vision 2030 that we laid out a few months ago. And Dr. Brian Pruitt, one of our shepherds, uh, mentioned that last week, and you should have received email communication about the study that's going to begin today discussing the service of men and women in the local church. And that will be right in here in the auditorium immediately following service about 10.50. Uh, so please grab a cup of coffee and come back and join us for that combined adult class immediately following uh, worship. And that's going to run for the next five or six weeks. The class will be live streamed. It's also going to be recorded. Uh, so we want to make sure that this can be available to all of us in the family. And in addition, there's going to be follow-up sessions for those interested beginning next Sunday at 8.30 a.m. in our tri room, which is right outside here next to the hall. Time for questions, time for dialogue. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And you'll find a place to submit questions on our online connections card as well. Well, last week we uh, started this series, Grow, as we began this focus on our mission to make and grow followers of Jesus. Uh, so what does it look like uh, to be a growing uh, follower of Jesus? It's one of the questions that we're exploring through this series. And really last week's series uh, set up or last week's message set up today. And so I'd encourage you, if you weren't here last week, or you're traveling last week, or I would encourage you to go back and watch last week's message uh, because it really sets the pace, I believe, for everything that we're gonna talk about uh, these next few weeks. Uh, because our goal, as we mentioned, is not for us to come into this room every week and to put on a show. Uh, our goal, or our pursuit rather, is to become more like Jesus. That's the pursuit for everyone that comes into uh, this, this flock. And we desire for that to be uh, our mission, that we're making and we're growing followers of Jesus. And we don't believe that that's just the mission of this church. We believe that should be the mission of every church uh, because Jesus gave this commission uh, to his disciples uh, before he ascended into heaven. And so specifically, we looked at what it meant to follow the one who repeatedly said, come and follow me. Uh, but not just what it meant for disciples and followers in Jesus's day, but what does it mean for us in 2022 in Birmingham, Alabama, or wherever you find yourself, if you're tuning in online, what does it mean for us to be a follower of Christ Today, How are we being formed into faithful followers of Jesus? How are we growing? 
So as the late Dallas Willard said it, I mentioned this last week, spiritual formation is the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. So over the next few weeks, I want to invite us to consider seven core commitments of people who are following Jesus. You see those on the stage. You also see those here on the screen. Worship regularly is something that we're going to talk about today. Connect with God. Live differently. Do life together. Give generously. Serve others. And tell you're one. And so the danger in presenting what appears to be a list on the screen is uh, really a, a couple different dangers there. One is that we get the idea that if we just do all these things, then we can check off the checklist of things to do as a Christian and we'll be good. That's danger number one. Or we look at these things and we think, well, there's no way that I can do all those things. You know, maybe you as a, as a preacher or, or as a youth minister, or children, maybe y'all can do all that stuff, but there's no way that I can participate in all of these things. And so we just throw our hands up in the air and say, well, that must not be for me. If you go either of those paths, if you're tempted to think either of those paths, what I want to encourage us today is to take those thoughts captive and consider what I might suggest is a better path. Last week, we talked pretty pointedly about what it meant to follow Jesus, that it meant to be with Jesus, that it meant to become like Jesus, and it meant to do what Jesus did. If you followed a rabbi in Jesus's day, this was what you were called and invited into. And so following means taking intentional steps. Like no one stumbles into becoming like Jesus. There are intentional steps that we take in order to do that. Uh, with so many people doing the 10 year challenge on social media, posting pictures of themselves from 10 years ago and presently, I thought uh, I would show you a picture from about 10 years ago of me dropping off my baby at day school. Uh, it seems like just yesterday. So parents who just dedicated your children realize it goes really quickly because that was 10 years ago. And then 10 years later, here I am. Uh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, sure, that's Matthew McConaughey. Uh, but it begs the question, who are we becoming like? I mean, if you were to wind the clock for one year, five years, 10 years down the road, who are we becoming like? Listen to me, church. The world is going to tell you to be you. The world is going to tell you to do you. And here's what I've learned. I don't want to become more like me, because I know me. I've, I've lived with me now for over 40 years. I don't want to become more like Brett Walters. I want to become like Christ. I want to know him, as Paul would say. With the guidance of our comforter, 
the guidance of our counselor, our advocate, the Holy Spirit. We intentionally pursue Christ and him in us because he can take dead things and he can bring them to life. He can make dead things alive. And what I've been reminded of myself is I can barely make pancakes. I want to serve and I want to follow somebody who brings dead things to life. Uh, Tony Morgan in his book, Unstuck Church, asked these questions. He says, instead of offering a plethora of options to engage, how would it look if we gave people at various stages of their spiritual journey from new believer to mature in the faith, a clear next step to take? What if we offered a simple path because we know that spiritual growth steps necessarily require sacrifice and stretching of our faith? So if we never articulate what a follower is and does or what's expected, how can we grow? So one of the things that our desire is as a leadership is that when someone walks through the doors, that they know what this church is about. And they know what is expected of them, not perfection, because none of us are gonna get it perfectly right. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. But the commitment that we want to consider today is, and you'll see those behind me, is worship regularly. What does that look like in the life of a father? If you have your, your Bibles, I wanna invite you to pull those out, be turning to Luke chapter four. Or if you have your device and you'd like to uh, take that out, you can do that as well and turn to Luke chapter four. Uh, if you use one of those pew Bibles in the pew rack in front of you, uh, it's in your New Testament. It's toward the second half of the Bible. So Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. And then we'll be looking at Luke chapter 4. Jesus has just been tested in the wilderness. He's just gone through this 40-day period where he's been tempted by the enemy. He's been tempted by Satan. And then he gets to, uh, Luke gets to verse 14 after this 40 days of temptation. And here's what Luke records. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I want to pause there for a moment. Because particularly if you read Luke, what you're going to notice is that Jesus was led by, he was guided by, he was even conceived by and raised by the Holy Spirit. He went in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Verse 15, he was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. If anybody could argue, because this is something that I, I hear from time to time as a, as a preaching minister. If anybody could argue, you know, I've just got, it's just me and God. I've just got this relationship with God. I don't really, I don't really need to, to, to gather with other people or, or I don't need to be in a building to worship. You know, if anybody could say that, Jesus could have said that. And he could have said, oh, I'm, and I am God, by the way, just in case you didn't know. Yet Luke tells us that this was his custom to gather, to, to worship regularly. Scholar Joel Green says it this way, this phrase, as it was his custom, underscores the paradigmatic quality of this episode, both with regard to his Sabbath practices and with regard to the content of his proclamation. 
I mean, think about it. When there was singing going on in the, the synagogue, do you think that the singing was better than what Jesus had heard in heaven? I mean, I'm grateful for our praise team. They are awesome. But I'm not sure y'all can touch what's going on in heaven. Do you think Jesus experienced when he gathered, as was his custom in the synagogue, do you think he experienced better fellowship than what he experienced in heaven? You think that's why he went? Do you think Jesus was sitting there listening to some message being proclaimed and thinking, oh, that's something I didn't know about God? Do you think Jesus ever thought that when he was sitting there? So why did he go? Why was he there? I would submit to us that Jesus went because he thought his father was worthy. We go because he went. A follower of Jesus does not worship because of what is done for them. A follower of Jesus worships because of what God has done for them. And you might say, well, I don't have to go to a building preacher in, in order to, to, to worship God. And I just want you to know, I completely agree with you. Completely. I'm one of the biggest proponents of worship being a lifestyle and not just an event. I support that. I believe it. I try to live that in my own life. And so some of us have are worshiping online today, this morning, because of health concerns or otherwise. And almost all of that did that us for 22 weeks in, in the year 2020. But I agree with the, the psalmist in Psalm 34. Look at it on the screen. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord let the afflicted hear and rejoice. And watch this. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So no, did you notice how the psalmist moves from this individualistic, this individual idea to this communal nature of worship? I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord now, let us, let us exalt his name together. Because here's what I've learned, church, that any follower of Jesus that I know who lives like that is eager for the chance to worship with other believers. I love to come to the house of the Lord. I was glad when I came. That doesn't mean that everything in your life is, is going just hunky-dory. It doesn't mean that everything in your life is going well. And, and that's one of the, the common misnomers that I, that I heard is I just don't feel like going to church today. That's exactly when you need to come, when we don't feel like it. In God's wisdom, he knew we needed this. And so what are we doing right now that helps keeps our hearts and minds centered on the ultimate reality that's only found in the kingdom of God. Parents, are we modeling this for our children? Or do we communicate with our actions, nah, the sport team is more important. Students, are you making this a priority in your life right now? 
or do you worship the God of school or the God of work or the God of physical fitness? All good things, but none of those are good gods. The question becomes, how can I show the worthship? That's where we get that word worthiness, worth, worthship. How can I show worthship to God, the one true God in all areas of my life? Because one of the things I've come to believe is that God is not number one on the list of 10. God is number one on the list of one. And so in all areas of our life, there's something going on where we are showing the worthiness, the worthship of God in your work, in school, at home, in the neighborhood, on the basketball court, on the field. We are showing worthship to God in everything that we do. We're showing his worthiness in our lives. Let your good deeds be shown before men that they may see your good deeds and what they praise your Father in heaven. So God is everything. And yet there's something sacred about this assembly because we don't just go because he went. We go because he comes. So in the book of Genesis, in the garden, God spoke directly with the man and woman with no need for intercession. Humanity was created for direct access to the presence of God. And it was only because of the rebellion of our first parents that such access would be severed. The garden was designed as God's dwelling place with humanity. And the presence of God remains this central theme throughout the rest of the biblical narrative. Prophets like Ezekiel and Isaiah, they hold out this hope for a future time when God will once again dwell among the people. And it's not until the incarnation of Jesus Christ that we see God once again dwelling so closely among his image bearers. The Gospel of John describes this as the preexistent word taking on human flesh and dwelling, literally tabernacling among his people. And we have this imagery of the tabernacle from the Old Testament, this this gathering place, this tent. And the divine presence of the garden, the Old Testament tabernacle, and even the temple is now in the Gospels, this man who's walking around Galilee. This is what it's become. And for this reason, Jesus denounces the legitimacy of the temple as a central feature of worship for God's people and instead presents himself as the way to proper worship of the Father. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You're not going to come to the Father except through me. I didn't say that. Jesus did. James says it this way. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. We go because he comes. Laney and the kids were away for a few days, and while solitude for a parent is not very common, it gave me a chance to reflect and think a little bit and also do a few of the honeydew items. But here's what I realized. I love to walk into the room where my kids are. Now, I'm not saying it's always peaceful and 
everything's always the way that I'd like it to be, but I love to walk into a room where my kids are. As an imperfect father, how much more does a perfect father in heaven love to show up in a room where his kids are? He comes. I think this is why the enemy tries around the world to make what we're doing right now illegal. But I also think that's why the enemy tries to make it so habitual that we just go because we've always gone. That we just go because we're trying to appease somebody else and get them off our back. Mom, dad, grandma, granddad, just get off my back. Okay, I'll go. Yet may we never lose sight that something bigger is happening when we come together. I came across this story in 2016. A young lady from Ontario, Canada named Hannah Peterson was in a serious car accident. She broke her pelvis, broke her um, some ribs, punctured a kidney. She had a concussion, even lost some of her hearing. The, the challenge, and you'll notice in the picture, was that when she had the car accident, she was scheduled to get married one month later. And she couldn't walk. And so the couple decided to continue on with the wedding. And so as you see in the picture, her dad wheeled her down the aisle. And then while she was being wheeled down, her soon-to-be husband came to her and carried her the rest of the way. You'll see this picture of him carrying his bride down the aisle to where they're going to pronounce their vows. And then he had to actually help her stand during the vows because it was very important for her to stand when she said her vows. And so you'll see her holding her arms during the vows. And then he carried his bride off to begin their life together as husband and wife. Church, we are the bride of Christ. You ever come to church and you just feel beat down by life? You ever come and you're you just like, man, I don't, I don't know if I can take one more thing this week. And, and we just, we, we show up and it's just like, man, it's everything that I can do to just, just be here. Maybe you're sitting in your living room and, and watching right now and you feel isolated and we, we just have these natural, these, these real feelings, these raw kind of just feelings of, of what life is doing to us. And then Jesus shows up. And your spirit is lifted. See, we, we go because he went. We, we go because he comes. But we grow because he restores Church, I pray that we will not give up meeting together. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song 
in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought or storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh. Fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones that he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground, his body lay. Light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life. No guilt in life. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. He put a new song in my mouth. He gave me a hymn of praise. This time I want to invite us as believers to pull out your communion elements. If you did not receive a communion packet on the way in, uh, please just lift your hand up and we'd like to get one of our praise team members to come and bring that to you. I want us to, in a few moments, we're going to spend some time in worship. I'm cutting the sermon short so that we can spend some time not just talking about it, but experiencing it. We've got some back here, Craig. I also want to just say thank you uh, for your giving. It's not very often that I get to share stories from our hospital apartment ministry. Uh, it's a ministry that we uh, serve uh, folks coming more than 50 miles out of town to receive medical treatment here in the Birmingham area. We're so grateful to have uh, such great medical uh, facilities just right here in town. And we have eight apartment units that we uh, allow people to use for free if they come more than 50 miles out. And we try to respect uh, privacy and things because a lot of those situations, you know, are uh, very, very serious. Um, but every now and then we'll, we'll get uh, a letter or a thank you and, and we got one this week. And it was from a couple who uh, was staying in our hospital apartments and she had uh, had leukemia and was going through some bone marrow transplant. She said, through your church, God has truly opened the windows of heaven and poured out a blessing on us above anything that we could think or ask. May God bless you all. 
Tim and Jan Garrison. The letter was longer than that, but I wanted to share that with you just to let you know that your giving makes a difference. Yes, we're thankful that your giving pays for our salaries and keeps the lights on and all that kind of thing, but it also supports ministries like the hospital apartments, like things that we're doing globally overseas. Your giving makes a difference, and we're grateful for that. You're welcome to give online or out in the foyer on your way out. But here's what I want us to do. We're going to spend some time in worship as we share communion. If you've read the book of Revelation, uh, what you will find is that every worship scene in heaven is communal. It's communal. And so when we gather in this space, we are practicing for what we're headed for. And if you're worshiping online this morning, my prayer is for you that the Spirit connects you with us in this sacred moment. Technology is great, but the Holy Spirit is greater. And so we pray this morning that we are all connected in this sacred space. And as we pray for the bread and the cup, uh, the praise team is going to remain seated. And they're just going to lead us in a time of worship. And I'm not going to tell you when to to participate in, in the communion meal. You may wish to sit for a few moments before you take the bread and the cup. Uh, During this time, you also may want to go see one of our shepherds. There'll be a a shepherd down front. There'll also be a a shepherd right back here in this room to my left. If you want to make your way to to them just for a time of prayer, I want to encourage you to use this time to do that as well. But before we worship, uh, before we participate in that and have a few moments, uh, let's go to God in prayer. So, Father, we give thanks for the body and blood of your Son. We ask that you will restore us as we eat, as we drink, and as we worship you. We pray all this in Christ alone. Amen.
This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you, I worship you, all that is within me, I Oh 
And so, so Father, we thank you for giving us a new song in our mouths, and we thank you for restoring us through worship this morning. It's in Jesus we pray and all God's people say, amen. You may be seated.